0: The Spirit has been teaching me quite a bit uh, over the last year and a half, really. Uh, and today, as I, or at least the last couple of weeks, as I prepared to come before you and, and present what the Spirit is telling me, He gave me three different messages. Now, some of y'all are worried about that, because three messages means 45 minutes apiece, right? Um But I prayed real hard, and I narrowed it down to one. Uh, We'll see what happens, though. (laughs) I did want to say this. If you want to join me for Christmas and for a Christmas present, uh, I'm going to get Dr. Joe and Brother Fred a case of water. So if anybody in here desires to come alongside of me, they need at least 52 because there's 52 weeks in a year. Uh, Bottles, not cases. That That would be a lot of water. As we get started today, I always start out with my verse in 1 Corinthians. So if you want to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 4 and 5. By the way, before I get started, y'all are going to be proud of me. I printed out all my scripture for you so that you can have it. It's going to be back there in the back when you get done Uh, I do have a lot of scripture. I always do. And somebody asked me one day, they said, David, why do you have so much scripture when you preach? And I said, well, that's a crazy question. And they said, well, do you pride yourself? And then I said, no. I said, actually, I want to make sure that I preach the gospel. And the only way I know that I preach the gospel is by preaching scripture. So that's why there's so much scripture 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. My message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. Holy Spirit, we ask that it will be your words, your wisdom today, that people will not rest on anything but you and you alone. I will fail you, but the Holy Spirit, God, will not. And that's why I cry that verse out every time. As we get started today, um, we're going to talk about being great in the kingdom. How many of you desire to be great in the kingdom of God? Okay? Now, as you think about great in the kingdom, I know all of you probably know the verses that I'm going to go to here in a minute. But when you think of somebody that's done great things for God... A lot of times we'll go to Billy Graham, right? Sometimes uh, you might say uh, people who are doing miracle signs and wonders. You might say uh, the big church out in Texas. I don't know. Um, You might say big churches here or there. They're doing great things for God. See, what happens is is that the deceiver, and I'm going to call him the deceiver today. Instead of Satan, demonic warfare, I'm going to call him the deceiver. The problem is that the deceiver has deceived our community, our country, our world on what greatness is. See, the deception is is that greatness is all about power. It's all about success. It's all about who you are and the name that you make for yourself. Now, I want to chase a rabbit for a second. I'm, I'm a youth pastor, so we tend to do that. But isn't it interesting, December is one of the most jam-packed months that Jesus is focused. Think about this, we celebrate for weeks, some of us months, I was singing Christmas carols before Thanksgiving, I love Christmas music, and we celebrate for weeks preparing for Christmas the birth of Jesus on December 25th. That's when we celebrate it. I know history tells us it's not December 25th, but that's okay. That's when we celebrate it. And we go for weeks or months preparing. How long do we prepare and sing carols and stuff for Easter? Not much, right? December is one of the most jam-packed times that we focus, even as a country, on the birth of Jesus Christ. I know Christmas isn't like that for a lot of people, but that is the tendency for at least us and here and, and a lot of people. Isn't it interesting that in December it's the most fast-paced, hurry, hustle, bustle time that we have in all of our months? Why would that be? It's because the deceiver wants us to pass up a whole month that we are supposed, not supposed to, but that we usually direct our attention to Jesus. If he can make it go faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, next thing you know that whole month is gone. And it's like he's like, whew. Have you ever thought about that? What's the number one enemy to revival? It's time. Time is the number one enemy for revival. If the Holy Spirit begins to do a mighty work in this place, some people at 12 o'clock will say, okay, mighty work's done. I'm not saying that y'all are going to do that, and I'm not saying that at 12 I'm going to ask you to continue to stay. But time is, is an issue for us, isn't it? And so in December, I think it's so interesting that it's the one month that we focus on the birth of Jesus. We spend all that time, but yet it's like time goes ten times faster in December. You know, if I could get students and and even parents and, and, and anybody in this room, if we could just get time to slow down sometimes, we think, oh, well, then we'd have more time to study, we'd have more time to pray, but really it's just priorities, isn't it? It's really just getting our priorities right. So that's my little rabbit trail there. I'm going to talk about the deceiver today because the deceiver has deceived us and told us that greatness is all about who you are, building a name for yourself, getting power, success, and and even in this country, we consider that money as well, right? I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 18. And that's going to be our focal uh, four or five verses for today. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of other verses, but this is the one that I want you to stay on You don't have to flip to all the others. Matthew 18. And let me tell you something. I've been a dad for seven months, seven and a half months now. I have a precious daughter. She is precious, to me at least. And ultimately, she's not mine, she's God's. But He's blessed me and my wife with Emmy Grace for seven and a half months. And so this verse finally comes into context for me. Matthew 18, one through 4 and it says this, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and said, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he ca- called a child over to him, set him before them, and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Check out verse 4. Whoever then humbles himself as a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, here's the problem. We all know that. We've heard this verse before. We've studied this verse probably. If I were to ask how many people have studied it, I would venture to say half or more would raise their hand. But because we spend more time walking and running through this uh I guess you'd call it zoo of of a world, you keep running and running in this fast-paced society, we forget that becoming like a child is the greatest, and we have the world's interpretation that you've got to go and do to be great. So whenever I'm preaching, I'm actually teaching you stuff that God has been teaching me, and I am still in the process of trying to learn and implement into my life. I can't be any more real than what I'm going to share this week, or even t- what about a month ago when I preached on the intimacy of Christ. Whoever humbles himself as a child, as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom. The first thing God put on my heart was Philippians two five through eleven. You don't have to flip there; most of you know it. Jesus, have the attitude which is like Christ, that though. He was, a, he, he was in the deity. He, he had everything, right? He said he didn't count anything to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself and became like a bondservant. And because of that, now you can even go even farther, what did he become? He became a child, didn't he? And he was born as a child, the most, I don't want to say the most lowliest state, but the most humble state. I mean, that child couldn't do anything on its own, right? He became a child, and because he humbled himself and became like a child, what does it say in Philippians chapter 2? It says God exalted him to the most high, right? He put him to the right hand of the Father. At at his name, every name, every person will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, correct? Why? Because he humbled himself, and he became like a child, and because of that, he is the greatest in the kingdom, right? Right? so I began to think okay God here's my example Jesus but then God as I was studying this and, and, and really walking through what does childlike faith look like what does it look like to have childlike faith so I began to think about my, my daughter I thought about bringing her out here but seven months you don't know what they're going to do <laughs> she still can't talk so at least <laughs> at least we know uh, she won't say crazy things right But I began to think about my daughter. Attributes of a child. Now, my daughter is seven and a half months. That's more than a child. That's almost an infant. I mean, that's young. So, five attributes that I thought of, of being a child and becoming great in the kingdom. Number one is that you can't provide for yourself. Though the deceiver tells you that you've got to provide for you, for your family, you've got to take care of number one, right? God says, Become like a child and realize that daddy provides for you. Check this out. Here's some verses for you Matthew 6 25 through 33. The disciples come and say, There's a whole multitude of people that they're hungry. And Jesus said, Well, feed them. <laughs> they're like, Well, we don't have any food. We're we supposed to go to the store. He says, Well, we'll make food. So, what happens? They had no food. They had, what, just a few fish and loaves of bread. And next thing you know, everybody was fed. And there was several people, several baskets left over, right? Did Jesus provide? Did God provide? Y'all got to get a little bit louder than that. Did God provide? Absolutely. I love Luke 10, 1 through 2. It says this. As you go out... And as you preach, remember, Jesus sends them two by two. There's 70 of them. He sends them out. And He says, As you go out, don't take any money with you, don't take any shoes, don't take nothing. I will provide for you. He says, When you go to a house and they welcome you, you stay there and you eat. They were told to go with nothing, and God provided, did He not? What about the nation of Israel? When they're wandering in the desert, they became hungry. Did God provide? Absolutely. So let me ask you this question. Does the blessings that God has blessed you with provide for you, or does God provide for you? See, we can turn the blessings of God almost into a curse by trusting on simply the blessing and not trusting on the provider who is God himself. If you become like a child and you become the greatest in the kingdom, you realize that you cannot provide for yourself, but your daddy can. And your daddy desires to. And your daddy loves you so much that he provides. But here's the thing. I was talking about this this morning when Nick, me and Nick had a wonderful time just uh, talking beforehand. Sometimes God provides, but it's not what we're looking for. So we're like, this ain't right, this ain't good. But in reality, it's a blessing because it is making you more like Christ in the refining of your faith. Do you realize that trials and tribulations in your life are a blessing? Think about where you come later in life because of you you turn to God and, and God. Will, will provide for you and because you see that he provides you begin to trust him over and over and you realize that God loves you so much that he is your provision even though you cannot provide for yourself the funny thing is this Satan deceives us by saying that you can provide for yourself in reality you can't so even people who think they can provide for themselves they really can't it's just they don't realize that God is their only provision So are you going to become great in the kingdom by saying only daddy, only my dad, only my sovereign God, heavenly father can provide for me the food that I have on the table this morning, this for lunch, for dinner, the gas in my car, the car that I drive, the clothes that I wear. People think I'm crazy. When I wake up in the morning, I pray, dad, what do you want me to wear today? I mean, that sounds silly, but doesn't it say in Matthew 6 that God Cares for us and provides for us even more than the flowers of the field and the birds in the air. He provides. Do you truly trust that? Or are you just trusting in the blessings that He's given you? Do you truly trust that He is going to be your provision? Now, the next one is My daughter is weak. She is very weak. In just a minute, I'm going to have an illustration. I'm a youth pastor, so that's what we do. We do illustrations. So my daughter is weak, right? And because my daughter is weak, she has to rely on her dad to protect. If I don't protect her and her mother doesn't protect her, then somebody's either going to have to protect her or she can't protect herself, can she? Psalms 91, one of the most dear chapters, talks about this. And I'm going to read it to you. Psalms 91, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to read 1 through 4. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadows of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly uh, pestilence. He will cover you, and under His wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield. God will protect you. But so often we allow knowledge to creep in, and knowledge tells us that you've got to protect yourself, right? does it the in 1 Corinthians. It says godly wisdom is like up here and earthly knowledge is down here. So why are you seeking earthly knowledge? Let me tell you something. I had to literally quit. And there's some people in here that will probably laugh as I share this. But I literally had to quit watching Fox News for a little while. Or CNN or whatever station you watch. Because I was like, man, i got to protect myself. This world is getting crazy. It is getting crazy. We have a deceiver in here, right? In the world. And I was like, I have to protect myself. And I started like like getting worried and like, okay, what do I do? Do I, need to, do I need to sell this? Do I need to do that? Do I need to get stocks? Do I need to get this? Do I need to do that? This? And I, I just began to panic and I just realized, hold up. God is my protection. Nobody can do anything to me without God allowing it to happen. Do you truly believe that? Do you truly trust Him that when He says He will protect you, He will protect you? That you're willing to go and do whatever He tells you to because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that though you are weak, God is strong and He will protect you. Now let's take a moment and I want to show you an illustration. Where's Caleb? I don't see Caleb. Where's Caleb? Caleb, come on up here for me. Caleb, do you trust me? <laughs> he didn't seem so, uh, this is not good. Caleb, do you trust me? I guess. Great. All right, come on up here. I'm going to, can I move this just a little bit out of the way? Am I messing up the volume? All right, Caleb, come right here. Okay. Many of you have done this before. You stay right there. I'm going to stand right behind you. All right. Do you trust me? All right. Fall back. Good job. I'm proud of you. All right. Now, stay right here. Now, Caleb, do you trust me? You promise. Do you trust me? Then fall back. It's pretty good. Thank you. You can go grab a seat. Now, sorry, Caleb, but you did take one step back. Now, think about that for a second. Caleb had to look at me, and the first time, I proved to him that I would catch him, but his mind knew that I was behind him, so his knowledge said that I will be able to catch him if I have the strength to, which that could be debatable. But here's the thing. The second time, now, the second time, his knowledge was, hold up, David's in front of me. I don't know if he heard Elliot step up. He has seen that illustration before, and I'll explain that to you in a second, too. But if you see me in front of you, and I say, do you trust me, and you say yes, and then I say, well, fall backwards, are you going to fall backwards? That's tough. You have to be willing to say that I trust him enough that even if he's not behind me, he will prepare a way for me to fall. Now listen, God can be in five different places at one time. So God could be standing in front of you and say, trust me, and he could be standing behind you and he could catch you, right? But for Caleb to... And to lean back at that point, he had to go past the knowledge in his mind and say that no matter what the situation is, and though I don't understand it, my God will protect me. Or David will protect me in that situation. But the illustration is this. When you're in a situation and the Holy Spirit is leading you to do something or to go and to, and to share the gospel, or maybe it's to go on missions, maybe the Holy Spirit is pressing on somebody right now in this room that, that He is calling you, that the Spirit is calling you to go on international missions, but yet you are so fearful because of the danger and the war and all these things. Those people need the gospel just as much as we do. And so we've got to trust that the Spirit is there to catch us and to protect us and to be our provision when we are weak. Though we can't see Him, we know that when we fall back, He's there. Though our knowledge tells us that there's issues. You know, I mean, if I were to say, hey, we're going to take a trip to Syria, is that where they're having the bombings right now? Is Is that the place? If I were to say, hey, listen, God has impressed on me that we need to take a trip there and we need to go share the gospel. Some of y'all might say I'm crazy. Some of y'all might say it's too dangerous. And some of y'all might say, well, the Spirit's told me and let's go. Are you willing as a child to say that my daddy will protect me? Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides and protects. The next one. And this kind of goes with the last one, but a child, my daughter, is powerless. She's got no power. And really, I have no power unless I have, be filled by the Spirit, right? She's powerless, but Daddy, he's all-powerful. I love this. Acts eight, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What type of power? Y'all know this. What does it say in the Greek? It's what type of power? Come on. Dynamite power, right? What type of power? Dynamite power. It's explosive. Listen, I had the opportunity, what, three, three weeks ago to, to preach at a, at a high school here in town. And I preached on being filled by the Spirit. And I looked at those students and I said, how many of you feel powerless? And nobody raised their hand, but you could just see on their face like, man, I, I, I get what you're laying down. I, I'm understanding. I'm picking up what you're, what, what you're telling me. How many of us as Christians feel powerless? You are powerless unless you are filled by the Holy Spirit. And then it says in Acts 1.8 that you will receive power And the, when the Spirit comes upon you. We are powerful people because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of us. What did I tell you? 8.05 the Spirit was in this place. You know how I know? Because I was here. This morning I'm driving here. The Lord impressed on me to to call and talk to somebody about my message. So I went to text them. I was stopped at the red light. I was not driving. (laughs) It turned green, and I I wasn't able to finish my text. So I put it down because I'm a safe driver, I think. And I put it down. I never sent the text. Five seconds later, my phone's ringing. It's that person. They said, hey, I'm supposed to call you today. Let's talk. And I said, well, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. The other day, we're driving home from Indy, where were we? Cincinnati, Ohio, basically. We were in like basically a blizzard on Wednesday. I don't know, it was an inch of ice and five, six inches of snow. My daughter's first snow, she got to build a big snowman, y'all should see it. She didn't build it, I built it, but we'll tell her she did. And we're driving, and all of a sudden, my wife and I were like, where are we? We had missed, now you got to understand, my wife lives there or had lived there for what, 18, 19, 20 years of her life. I've been up and down this road at least 10, 15 times. Next thing we know, we don't even know where we are. We had missed one turn. And because we missed that one turn, God took us due south out of the ice and snow, and we got home quicker but if we would have continued the path that we knew we would have gone straight through Louisville, Kentucky instead of Lexington, Kentucky and what would have happened is Louisville got way much we were like man we're 10 minutes out and we're like where's the snow where did it all go and I kept telling her I was like well that sign says Louisville and the whole time it said Lexington I just couldn't read God is all powerful and I believe some people say David you just made a wrong turn no I believe the spirit led us that direction You know why? Because every morning I pray, God, empty me and fill me by the Holy Spirit. It is not me who who does anything anymore. It's the Spirit inside of me. I live by Christ in me. And so everything I do, and every moment of the day, I pray that it is the Spirit in me and not me because I cannot do anything worthy. But with the Spirit in me, I can lift the name of the Holy God. So God is our provider. God is our protector. God is all powerful. Oh, this one, I love this. Oh, there's a lot of verses on the powerful. Sorry, I didn't go into all of them. Acts 3, 6, when when, uh, Paul says, by the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the guy gets up. I love that because then they go to jail and they say, hey, whatever you do, you can preach, but just don't preach in that guy's name anymore. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? I love that. That's one of my favorite uh, uh, stories in in scripture. And I hate to call it a story because it's real. That's one of my favorite things. He says, um, listen, we're going to let you go, but whatever you do, just don't teach in Jesus' name anymore. You can teach, but just don't teach in Jesus' name. I guess they understood there was power, right? Psalm 62, 11 says power belongs to God. 2 Corinthians 13, 4, we will live with God because of his power. And I love this. Hebrews 4, 12, the word of God is full of living power. Y'all, you are powerful people because the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. If you're not seeing the power of the Holy Spirit come forth through you, then it's because you're not yielding yourself to the Spirit. You're not emptying yourself daily. You're not dying to self and picking up your cross. Instead, you're living for selfish gain. And if you're living for selfish gain, then you're not going to see the Spirit flow through you because it's about you and not about the Spirit. Did y'all get that? Somebody tell me what I said later. I love this next one. I am going to let you flip to this one. Matthew 18. Oh, we're already there. 18:23. Now, many of you know this as the rich young ruler. Wait, is that right? Let me make sure. That's not right. I have the wrong verse on here. Sorry. I know the I know the story, I just don't... I wrote the wrong scripture. My next point is is that my daughter... Now, you can debate this theologically. Listen, I'm just going to tell you, my daughter's heart is pure. Now, I understand she's a sinful creature. There's nothing I could do. When she was born, she was born into sin. Romans, right? That's what it says. But my daughter still has not had the ability yet... To give her heart away to all these different things of the world. Right? Y'all following me with this? And I'm just telling you what the Spirit showed me and told me. I love this. Daddy, our Heavenly Father, Daddy, and I call him Daddy all the time. It's just because he's intimate to me. He's my Father. He's my Heavenly Father. He's my Daddy. He wants your heart. And he wants, he wants your heart that you have a pure heart for Dad. My daughter will reach for Leslie and I because she loves her mama and her daddy. Dad, our Heavenly Father, wants a pure heart for him. He wants your heart. The story of the rich young ruler, and I don't know why I wrote the wrong verse, but the story of the rich young ruler says this. He came to and said, hey, you're a good teacher, good teacher. Tell me what I must do to, to be part of the kingdom of God. And he said, well... Uh, here's the, the commandments, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And he said, well, I've kept all those from birth, right? But there was one thing he was missing. What was it? He had to go and sell everything. Jesus said, well, here, knowing that he was rich, he said, go and sell everything, and then come follow me. And he went away sad. Now, let me tell you something. I was plagued for years over the scripture. I'm talking plagued. Brother Fred laughs at me whenever we talk about the scripture. Because for years, I thought that if I had anything, that I was not following God. I literally thought, man, if I hold on to anything, if I have a house, if I have a car, and I was like, what am I going to do, walk to the church every, I mean, and you could, I could, absolutely. If God tells me to, I better start doing it, right? Right. But I used to struggle with this, and I took it so literally, and my wife can attest to this, because it drove her bonkers, I mean, there was days I was like, we've got to sell our house. And then I'd go to sleep and wake up and say, praise God for our house. Because I had shelter over my head. But here's what this scripture says. God wanted his heart. And what had his heart was money. So you can take the word money and replace that with whatever has your heart that you haven't given to God. Now I'll give you a prime example. Two weeks ago, I was in my office and God put on my heart. He said, David, I want you to do this. And I'm not gonna, there's no reason for me to tell you what it was, but he just told me to do something. And I said, I don't know about that, God. I don't know if you're, you you can not be telling me to do that. No. For an hour and a half, I fought And finally, I yielded to his presence, and I did what he told me to do. Within ten minutes, joy, peace came over my heart. I called a friend, and the first thing they said was, God wanted your heart, and you were holding something back. And he wanted you to walk in obedience. Can I tell you that that day, God gave me the opportunity three different times to share the gospel. And I believe that that was the blessing of me being obedient and taking a heart and giving my heart to God. That story of the rich young ruler for me two weeks ago was what he told me to do. I was holding that back in my heart. There was something that I was holding back in my heart and God was saying, I want your heart to become like a child and have a pure heart for your dad. And I was like, man. The last one many of you know is that My child loves her dad, and her dad loves her. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son. Galatians 2.20 says it's all about love. You know what's interesting to me? Is that when you become like a child, when you become like a child, If I were to walk over here and start to hear kids and children speak or even whine, I could tell you which one's my daughter. Because my ear knows my daughter. And everyone who has a child in here could could attest to that. Daddy, our Heavenly Father, loves us so much that His ear is attentive to you. What does it say? Ask, and I will give to you. Does he not say that? He says you have not because you ask not. Now, here's the problem and here's where we have to kind of kind of walk through this and close things up here. The problem is this. It's hard to become like a child. Because everything you've been taught and everything that you know, you have to say accounts to nothing when it comes to the glory and the kingdom of Jesus Christ. When I was preaching three weeks ago at that school, the Spirit gave me a word to to give to the teachers, and I'm going to share it with you all as well because I think it's very applicable for this place as well, for each of us. But it was this. Knowledge, teaching knowledge without teaching dying to self will push people farther away from the kingdom of God. Think about that. And I'm talking biblical knowledge. You teach biblical knowledge without teaching humbling themselves and dying to themselves. It will push them farther away from the kingdom of God. You know how I know? It happened to the Pharisees. They had a whole bunch of knowledge, never died to self, and they were so far away from the kingdom of God that Jesus even said, you're nothing more than whitewashed tombs. So for you to become like a child... You have to say that my God will provide for me. There is nothing that I can do to provide for myself, but God will do it. And and listen, every time I've prayed God, provide, He's provided. I woke up this morning and I had breakfast. And people think I'm crazy, but I said, God, provide breakfast. I want to be so much like a child that if you want to find David Bullock, you've got to go to the arms of my dad and find me wrapped up in his arms. You want to become like a child? You've got to trust in His protection. The Spirit will lead you to do things. Now, let me tell you something. Start with what it says in the book, in the Bible. Be obedient to those things as the Spirit leads you. But the Spirit will lead you and direct you, and you've got to trust that He has called you and that He will protect you and that He will guide you. He says it all throughout Scripture that He's your protection. But how often do we allow God to be our protection? I have a friend and I, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, like with all this stuff that's going on, uh, with all the stuff across the world and the nation, guns might be like, they might not sell them anymore for all I know, who knows? And I said, are you going to get one for protection? You know what my friend said to me? He said, David, no weapons formed against me shall prosper. Now listen, some of y'all think, okay, Common sense, I don't know about that. But let me tell you something. This guy is so full of the Spirit. This person's had weapons pointed at him before to kill him. And the person holding the weapon fell in their face and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. We've got to get past the idea that we have knowledge that we can do it or that we can create it. And we have to say, God, you are everything. And the Spirit will tell you to do things. That's fine. The Spirit might tell you, hey, and I'm not saying that it's wrong to, to, to have things or do that or whatever or get this or get that. What I'm telling you is, is that your protection, your provision, your guidance, if you're going to be like a child and be the greatest in the kingdom, every second of your day has to be that God is on the throne and that nothing can happen outside of the authority of him. you want to see revival break forth? Well, first off, we can't create revival. We can't create it. All we can do is find ourselves in the position for revival to happen. Okay? It even says in Scripture that revival is for God's doing, but we can humble ourselves. What does it say? It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... So what is our response? Our response is this. We're supposed to humble ourselves, seek God, pray, become like children. And let me tell you something. God will bless this place. You will begin to see faith like you can't even imagine. Little kids believe everything. They believe You can tell them anything, and they're like, no way. You know, i got to share this story. I hope that my sister's not mad at me for sharing this even though they're here. And I won't say which one, but my one of my uh, nephews, we used to teach them or they taught them different sounds, right? Like an animal makes this sound or an animal makes that sound. And uh, they taught him that, you know, an elephant says, or well, an elephant says, you know, makes a noise. And then what does big owl say? Well, it says roll tide. And... but they also taught him, you know, like, what does a tiger say? And it's like, rawr, and what does an Auburn tiger do? And it goes, meow, you know, (laughs) which is funny and hilarious. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Check this out. When you're that little, you believe it. When you're that young, you believe it. What is hindering you today? to have full out faith and belief that Jesus Christ is who he says he is and he will provide, protect, and take care of you until the day that he takes you to the throne of God for the great judgment so that we can be with him forever. What is, what is preventing you from saying, I believe no matter the cost. I trust no matter the cost because I know how big my dad is and nobody is like my dad. Nobody. So as I wrap things up, here's the thing. I told you I was going to talk about the deceiver. The deceiver comes and says, you must provide. Oh, you're not providing. You're not doing a good job. Think about Genesis chapter 3. What did Satan do in the garden? Did he not deceive and make Adam and Eve question? Oh, did God really say that? So what does he do to us? Can God really protect you? I mean, there's mean people in this world. There's scary people in this world that could hurt you. Did God really say he would protect you? Did God? Does he really mean he'll provide? I mean, look. Look at what you have compared to a lot of the world. Do, I mean, a lot of society or, or whatever, because we're a materialistic society. Is He really providing for you? I mean, you could do so much better. Just like in the garden. You know, I've experienced this. I was healed a year and a half ago from Myasthenia Gravis. And I cannot tell you how many times the deceiver comes in and says, Did God really heal you? You know what? I finally came to the conclusion. I was on my face just crying, weeping to God. Saying, God, show me, direct me, teach me. I'm being lied to by the deceiver. You know what God said? David, i got a question for you. I was like, oh, goodness, God has a question for me. He said, if you're not healed, am I still on the throne? Oh, excuse me, if you're healed, am I still on the throne? Anybody want to answer? Absolutely. And then he said, well, if you're healed, but yet it comes back, am I still on the throne? So he said, well, why are you worried about it? i got it covered either way. And I was like, the deceiver will come in and say, oh, does he really want you to have faith? Did he really tell you that? Did is he really going to do those things? And what do we do? So often we say, oh, I got to make sure I take care and protect and provide and all this. But God says, no, become like a child. Be the greatest in the kingdom. Become weak so that He is strong in us. Realize that you can't provide so that God provides for you. Realize that God is our everything. And it all goes down to this. And it even says it in Matthew 18, one through four in verse four. It says it right there. It says this. Whoever then humbles himself and becomes like a child you want to see revival break forth at Luke four eighteen or across Mobile Alabama it will only start when each individual humbles themselves and becomes filled by the spirit I share with my students all the time if this is your soul you have like a jar and you're filled with yourself how much can the Holy Spirit fill it But when you humble yourself and empty yourself like Philippians 2, Jesus did, then how much can the Holy Spirit fill it? To overflowing. To overflowing. So, let me ask you this as we close. Are you willing to be like a child? Are you willing to change your idea of what greatness is? Are you willing to say, I'm not going to listen to the deception and the lies any longer. I understand what greatness is. And that is for me to be nothing. And to God to be everything. And when he wrecks your life, when you are nothing, guess what? You become the greatest. You become powerful. You're provided for. It might not be a great house. It might not be a car. Who knows what it is. But you're provided for. Guarantee it. You know why I guarantee it? The Scripture says it. And the Scriptures have never, ever lied. I've been doing this for seven years, Brother Fred, much longer than that. And I guarantee you, both of us together, Dr. Joe, all three of us, SL, would tell you that we have never seen one time that the Spirit has lied to what He said. Do you desire to be great in the kingdom of God?